Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And hello, MD Nation. Welcome into the show. The MD's Fantasy Football Show coming into a special time today on a Friday morning. Usually we do this show Thursday night where we talk about the Thursday night game cast, react to things live, and then talk about our late slate of matchup previews. But today, circumstances had to force us go into this morning. So now we get to recap which is something I like to do more anyway, to get a better idea of what we got to take out of this thing moving forward. But for now, I'm your host, Dan Mater. You're watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show and or listening on your favorite pod streaming app or watching on social media at Show, or subscribing to our YouTube channel or downloading us on the Amazon App Store for your Fire TV or Android devices. So many ways to get a hold of the show. But we got to start it off on a, a sad note. Definitely have to recognize, unfortunately, the news coming out. I believe it was late last night. It was getting confirmed all over the place this morning. Demarius Thomas passed away at 33 years old. And uh, it's it's very sad. Uh, obviously, it's it's way too young. The report for now is that they found him passed away in his home in Georgia 
The explanation to this point, as I understand it, is that it was a medical issue. We'll see. I'm sure there's more to come. Or we're getting, we have a viewer here that says it was a seizure in the shower. Uh, a medical issue, all the same. We'll wait for some more co- uh, confirmed reports. And it's just, it's very sad. Um, you know, our our hearts, our prayers, our, our sympathies go out to his family. And uh, it's something you can never get back when uh, a loved one passes away. So we all love the Marius Thomas here, too, in the fantasy football world and the football world in general. He was a great wide receiver. Uh, one of the best during his prime. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Unfortunately, due to some off-the-field issues and injuries, he had his career cut short. But, uh, yeah, we, we're we very sad to hear about the news of Demarius Thomas. This is a fantasy football show, though. Uh, so we want to try to give you guys some entertainment. We want to get you guys ready for your last regular season game of the fantasy football season. We're trying to make the playoffs. Last night is going to be a big indicator on some teams who are going to win because there were some big plays, some big fantasy implications from last night's game. So we are going to talk about that. Uh, And I want to move into that. But first, let's give you the guys the updated breaking news on the injury reports from the games that we talked about on Wednesday night with Chris when we went over the early slate window of games. Make sure you go back and check out that episode on your favorite pod streaming app or it can replay it on our YouTube channel and you can make sure you go back and get all of our analysis for the early window of games for week 14. But let's get you guys update on those injuries before we dive into the Thursday night recap here. Breaking news. All right. So first up, let's talk about Elijah Mitchell. So he's in the concussion protocol, but that's not all he is dealing with. He is also dealing with an ailing knee injury. Apparently he has not practiced Uh, on Wednesday, did not practice yesterday on Thursday. So that right there is automatically not a good sign for a guy trying to get through concussion protocol. We talked about this before. They usually need to get at least a limited session in by Thursday for them to have an actual good chance of playing. Jeff Wilson, however, was a full participant in practice uh, yesterday after being limited on Wednesday. So as it stands right now, our assumption is Elijah Mitchell will most likely miss this game, and Jeff Wilson will get another crack at being the lead back along with Michael Hasey probably working in as the main passing down back on Sunday's matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals and a big one. So Jeff Wilson, I haven't updated my rankings on BillyFantasySports.com just yet. I will either tonight into tomorrow. I usually update them, have the final updates done by Saturday night leading into Sunday morning. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I can tell you, though, off the top of my head, even though it's not done yet, will probably be somewhere in that low-end RB2, high-end RB3 range. Not the easiest matchup in the world against Cincinnati, but this year has taught you anything. You want the running backs who are in position to get all the work, and Jeff Wilson will be in that position. Now, he didn't look great against Jacksonville, and that was a much better matchup. I understand this, but you still want to get the main running back on the San Francisco 49ers in your lineup more times than not. And he'll at least, if nothing else, be a safe floor play for you guys at your RB2 or at your flex spot. So keep your eyes on that. But as of right now, we're leaning towards Elijah Mitchell probably not being able to go. Debo Samuel, he has not practiced up until this point. So my expectation is he's not going to want to play until, yes, there's still a practice report later on today. We'll keep you up to date on social media, at Show if anything there changes. But as of right now, I would lean towards Debo Samuel having to miss that second week in that one to two week timeline. 
uh, heading into this week. So one more game without Debo. Hopefully you're in position to make the playoffs without him because you should have him back, I would believe, by week 15. Uh, we talked about Jeff Wilson, Joe Mixon. He has not practiced Wednesday or Thursday with a non-COVID illness. They're not listing him with the neck issue. So I think we're more concerned about that than anything else leading into this week when, when he said he picked up the neck injury during the game. They've been listing him out with the illness, not with the neck issue. So I would say as long as Joe Mixon's feeling better by Sunday, he'll probably play. But this is something we got to watch because this year's been very weird. Uh, the flu has been, I, I don't know if it's been stronger than years past or what the case may be, or teams are just taking it extra precautions because of coronavirus, making sure nobody gets sick. But we've seen a slew of players actually miss games due to illness, I think more so than I can remember. So we got to keep our eyes on this. Hopefully Joe Mixon's able to do something today. Even if he doesn't, though, that doesn't necessarily mean he won't play on Sunday. We've seen Mixon go an entire week without practicing due to an ankle issue and then still wind up playing a decent amount on Sunday. As long as he's feeling better by then, I think he will play. But we'll keep our eyes out on Joe Mixon. Good news on the T. Higgins front. He was able to come back and practice yesterday after missing practice on Wednesday, listed with an ankle issue. We no longer have any concerns about T. Higgins' availability, so expect him to be out there and plug him in as a solid wide receiver, too. Darren Waller, he continues to miss practice. I would lean towards him missing another week. They still kind of talk about him being week to week as it is. Fawcett Moreau, in his stead, is a top 12 streaming tight end. Uh, we expect Darren Waller to miss. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. Allen Robinson, he is actually practicing, finally, for the first time, and he even said yesterday he's going to play. Now, the reason why I'm so surprised about Allen Robinson potentially playing here is because, honestly, I didn't think he'd come back this year. It's been a crap show with the Chicago Bears, to say it you know politically correct there, and he's been in such a bad situation, hasn't been producing. This whole team is just going to go up in flames at the end of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears completely switched everything they're doing organizational-wise. I really did not think Allen Robinson would bother coming back to play because he's a premier wide receiver. Everybody knows how talented he is. And yes, maybe not having a good season this year would affect his contract a little bit, but he'll still be paid as a premier receiver, I believe, heading the next season. I think the worst thing he could do is injure himself further. So honestly, I didn't think he was, he was going to come. He was going to come back this year. I thought he was going to find every excuse in the book to not to. But then yesterday, saying that he wants to come back and play on Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. So something we're going to have to watch there. But Allen Robinson may be back in the mix. Alvin Kamara has been practicing in full, so we expect him to be a full go. Obviously, Deontay Harris is suspended, so he's going to be out for the rest of the week. Mark Ingram will not play on the COVID list. Nobody expects him to be able to suit up. And then Ty Montgomery wound up getting added to the COVID-19 list too. So Alvin Kamara is going to be back. He's playing against the Jets. And the Saints are running out of running backs fast to even back him up. Now, as, as of right now, it would be Tony Jones Jr. would be the only other active running back as it stands today. But Alvin Kamara, he's about to, he's about to light it up. I don't know how much of a workload they wanted him to have his first game back. But you add in the Jets, and by default, he's going to have to be heavily involved. Alvin Kamara is going to probably move up into my top five for me heading into the week. Taysom Hill, he's also been practicing in full. So that's the good news. The Saints will have Taysom Hill. They will have Alvin Kamara, and that probably will be enough to beat the New York Jets because you don't need a whole lot. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, I think we're trying to still figure out if Davis Mills or Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback heading into this Sunday. You really only care for Brandon Cook's purposes uh, not that Cooks has been good with Taylor the last few weeks either, but 
you still rather have the competent quarterback play of Taylor than a Davis Mills for Brandon Cooks to be somebody to play in your wide receiver three in your flex position. So that's why we care about that one. Uh, uh, Alex Collins is practicing in a limited capacity. Alex Collins is expected to be back this week. So it's going to be Alex Collins. It's going to be Adrian Peterson, maybe Rashad Penny, because he's dealing with an injury, although he was able to get a limited practice in yesterday. So we'll see exactly what comes out of that. But I, I just stand firm on you don't want a Seattle Seahawk running back, period. There's no reason to have one. They don't ever get more than 10 or 12 carries to begin with anyway. And now apparently you're going to have a four to five man carousel. Travis Homer did get downgraded, did not practice, but we all know DJ Dallas will just step into the Travis Homer role as more as the pass catching back anyway. This thing is a full blown out committee with an offense on a very slow pace. And we have no idea exactly uh, how it's going to shake out. You don't want to see Seahawk running back. Tony Pollard. It's going to be a game-time decision on Sunday. He's dealing with a foot sprain. So on on Wednesday night, I think we knew that he had an injury. It was undisclosed at that point. So now we know it's a foot sprain, and he's going to be a game-time decision on Sunday. So he may wind up dropping out of my top 36 altogether, depending upon what information we get out of him today as far as what his level of participation in practice was going to be. But for all those concerns for Ezekiel Elliott owners of, okay, are they going to mix Tony Pollard in a little bit more? Because Zeke's clearly not 100%. And Tony Pollard's been explosive. And are they going to start evening out those reps a little bit? Uh, Probably not this week. Uh, So Ezekiel Elliott, he is a RB15 for me right now. He might move up. I don't know if I'll put him inside my top 12. He might be close to that territory. But this will solidify, if nothing else, his workload. As long as Zeke's getting the volume, he's always a must play every single week for you. Uh, Tevin Coleman, he did not practice again dealing with the concussion issue yesterday. So we think Tevin Coleman has a decent chance of he'll probably wind up missing. Ty Johnson would be the lead back in our estimation, along with Walter Walter probably getting mixed in to some degree. And Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore did not practice dealing with a quad issue. They're already down Corey Davis. Now they might be down Elijah Moore. We'll have to wait and see what happens today. We'll keep you up to date on social media at BellyFMDFF Show. But Elijah Moore, who's looking at a heavy target share with no Corey Davis, might have to wait a week. So it might be Jamison Crowder and Keelan Cole and nobody else for the New York Jets heading into that Sunday matchup. If you can stream the Saints defense, you might want to do so this week because they're going to have nothing they're going to need to defend. And then we got McKissick. He's been practicing in a limited capacity. We do expect him to be able to suit up and come back this week and assume his normal pass catching role. But don't worry about it when it comes to Antonio Gibson. Gibson's been so good lately because they are giving him plus 20 carries to begin with. And even when McKissick got hurt that that one game, they were starting to mix him in a little bit in the passing game. He was running more routes run than he normally had up until that point. And he was so good last week. I am going to kind of, I'm going to be curious to see what happens. I'm going to be curious to see because he was so good last week as the workhorse back and the offense was, I mean, they didn't put up a ton of points, but the offense was better. They won the game. I'm a little curious to see if Washington doesn't try to see what happens if we stick with Antonio Gibson being our workhorse back. Something to kind of keep an eye on on Sunday, but you're playing Antonio Gibson as a strong RB2 either way. All right, so that does it for our list for the early window of games that we talked about on Wednesday night. Again, go back for our analysis and our bets for those slate of games on your favorite podcast app or subscribe to our YouTube channel, replay it there, or go to the Amazon app, 
Fire Store, and you'll be able to watch us live or watch us on repeat for that episode too. So go back and check all that out to get more information for those matchups. We got our first question of the day uh, from Dan on one of our social media platforms we're streaming to. Uh, Hill or Rogers? I'm assuming this is Taysom Hill or Aaron Rodgers you're asking me about. Uh, it would be Aaron Rodgers. I would still stick with Aaron Rodgers for this one. We we still want to see Taysom Hill throwing the football. And against the New York Jets, because they have Alvin Kamara back, I think one or the other might have the big fantasy day. Now, I still have Taysom Hill, let's be clear here, as a top 10 quarterback. So I would want to play Taysom Hill. But if you have a choice between Taysom Hill and Aaron Rodgers, you're playing Aaron Rodgers against Chicago. He owns Chicago, right? He's going to want to back that up on Sunday Night Football. And as long as he's got Devontae Adams, I'm going to trust playing the floor-to-ceiling ratio of an Aaron Rodgers, who I have at QB6 this week, over Taysom Hill, who I have at QB8. It is close. I do like Taysom Hill. If you're asking for DFS purposes, I would probably take Taysom Hill in that instance. All right. So now we got the, the news that the injury updates out of the way from the early window of games. Let's talk about this game last night. Let's talk about the Thursday night football recap. And it was a great game. It was. I was a little bit worried about this game. Was it going to be another snooze fest where both teams going to come out and try to play not to lose? Well, the Steelers, they did. They tried to come out and play that way. The Steelers wanted to come out and play not to lose and weren't allowed to because Minnesota just punched them in the face right off the bat. And apparently, Dalvin Cook does not need shoulders to be a great running back. In fact, he probably, <laughs> if you have Dalvin Cook, you're probably like, well, can you dislocate your shoulders more often? Because apparently, you play even better with a dislocated shoulder and two torn labrums than you do when you're completely 100% healthy. The announcers, made, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, they, they made a comment yesterday, and I thought it was very true, where they said his legs looked fresh, like they gave him a week off and suddenly he looked more explosive than he has at any point this season. And that was very true as far as what the eye test was showing you on the field. He looked like Dalvin Cook again. The one thing we were knocking on Dalvin Cook is like he didn't look always the most explosive version of Dalvin Cook that we've seen in years past. Well, he did last night, 27 carries, 205 yards, two touchdowns. The, the good news is this. All the reports coming into the game and what we reported also on our social media feeds was that not only was Dalvin Cook expected to play, but he wasn't expected to be on a snap count. And they do this usually with Dalvin Cook. Usually if they bring him back, they let him have his full workload. They don't usually bring him back to be on a limited snap count. And that was great last night. So you came back, you plugged him into your lineup, and a guy goes for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. Uh had one catch for 17 yards on three targets. Alexander Madison was just a backup. I mean, this was this was just a tremendous, incredible performance. And it might have saved Mike Zimmer's job for now, at least. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. I think they have to make the playoffs in order for him to have any chance to actually hold on to his job. But for now, after losing to Detroit on Sunday, this win saves his job. Although they they we'll get to the Pittsburgh side in a second because Minnesota tried to give this game away in the fourth quarter. And it also saves their chances to still be able to make the playoffs with that seventh seed in the NFC, which is, I can't say enough about the incredible performance of a Dalvin Cook. And it just shows you why he's an RB1. Obviously, he'll be in your line moving forward if you have him heading into your playoffs. Outside of that, this is where we got to get more into our analysis. Kirk Cousins was not good. Now, he didn't have to do a lot. But even the times, there were throws wide open that he was sailing. I don't know why. 
but he was off last night. 14 of 31, two touchdowns, two interceptions, only 216 yards. He was a streaming quarterback for me. He was inside my top 12, and it winds up the game in which the Minnesota Vikings put up 36 points. You're incredibly disappointed, and it should have been a lot better because there was a play where he had Justin Jefferson going across the field wide open and just put it well over his head. Jefferson still tried to make a catch on the ball, but if he hits him in stride, we're talking about a 60-yard-plus touchdown. He had one to K.J. Osborne. He would have had another one to Justin Jefferson. Jefferson would have had a bigger stat line as a result, too. At the end of the day, you're fine with Jefferson, though. Seven catches, 79 yards, picks up the touchdown, 15 targets. As long as Adam Thielen misses, and we still have never gotten an official timeline on Adam Thielen. We'll have to see exactly what happens with him. We know that they're hoping he doesn't cost him the rest of the regular season, but we don't know if we're looking at a two to four weeks, four to six. Um, we're, we're not exactly sure what we're looking at there, but as long as Adam Thielen is out, this 15 targets out of Justin Jefferson is something I think you can hold your hat on. Keep this in mind. They only threw the ball 31 times. So Jefferson had a, almost a 50% mark when it comes to the targets to the pass attempts, which is absolutely insane. And it was a game in which they were leading the entire game and he had 15 targets. So this kind of a target share is something I think you can continue to expect out of a Justin Jefferson as long as Adam Thielen is out. The other benefactor of Adam Thielen being out, of course, was KJ Osborne. Now there's a little bit of a you know, a little bit of a seesaw here with KJ Osborne. On one hand, three catches, 83 yards, a touchdown, had a big 62 yarder. If you played him, I had him as wide receiver three. If you played him, he came through for you with a really nice fantasy day. But you're saying to yourself, well, it was three catches. Most of the production came on one big catch. How sustainable is that really? Well, I would say it's pretty sustainable because he had nine targets in this game. He played about the same amount of time as a Justin Jefferson. The third receiver was uh, Westbrook. He didn't even have a catch in this game. So, you're good with K.J. Osborne. I believe you can continue to play K.J. Osborne as a mid-level wide receiver three, at least, who does have a target floor that you can sink your teeth into heading into your fantasy playoff matchups as long as Adam Thielen is out. I talked about this on Wednesday night with Chris. The big theme of the night was the word trust. Who can you trust? Because you're going as your fantasy football playoffs or you're trying to win this week. It's about what players you trust. It's not about necessarily getting every single one of your decisions in your lineups correct. It's more about trust. You don't want to play the players who are completely 50-50 Jekyll and Hyde, completely boomer bust level type of players. If you're going to go down, you want to do so with the players that at least gave you a chance to win and didn't dud you out, the players that you trust. You can trust the K.J. Osborne usage moving forward without Adam Thielen. That's what this game proved here today. And again, keep in mind, this was a pro and or neutral game script the entire game for Minnesota. So you loved the uses, the target share of what you saw. Now, some of it might shift a little bit because the guy who I thought might have a chance to get involved too wasn't, Tyler Conklin. He only had two targets, two catches, 20 yards heading into this game. Even when Adam Thielen was playing, this is a guy who is usually hovering around that six, seven target mark. So I do expect that to get back up a little bit. Maybe that takes away a little bit from Justin Jefferson, a little bit from KJ Osborne. But I think Conklin stays in that bottom tight end one, high end tight end two streaming territory. And you can play all the other players that you would want to based on their usage, based off of this game. They really kind of consolidated the offense without Adam Thielen. Now let's talk about the Pittsburgh side of the ball. So Pittsburgh 
barely had the ball in the first half because Dalvin Cook was running all over him in this game. However, they really opened things up in the second half. They scored all 28 of their points in the second half, 21 of them coming in the fourth quarters. Like I said, Minnesota tried to give this game away at the very end. <laughs> it really, I think Mike Zimmer would have been fired this morning had they wound up actually blowing this game the way it was kind of trending towards there at the end there. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, if you streamed him, I don't know why you would have. I didn't have him as a streaming territory quarterback, and I don't know why you have any confidence in him, even in a good match against Minnesota. But if you happen to stream him or in two quarterback leagues, you're definitely going to take the 300-yard, three-touchdown performance that you got out of him. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. But Ben Roethlisberger is not what's interesting to me. It's the receiver breakdown. So Chase Claypool, A catches 93 yards, winds up being the lead receiver on the day for the Pittsburgh Steelers with nine targets. But what's interesting about that is he played less this game than any other week so far this season, especially since Juju Smith-Schuster has been out. He played significantly behind Ray Ray McLeod as far as snaps and routes run heading this game. He operated more as the third receiver. Now, James Washington and Chase Claypool played about the same amount. And James Washington, of course, he winds up with the four-yard, 65-yard catch and one touchdown performance. But James Washington is not really a fantasy-relevant type of player. But we got to keep an eye on the injury for Chase Claypool. Now, he winds up, I have him as a wide receiver 31. He does wind up putting in a nice fantasy performance here on the production line. But that was because they were down by so much and had to do nothing but throw the football in the second half Yes, the Steelers do find themselves in that type of a game script. I'd say about 50% of the time so far this season because they've been letting up leads or defense. Clearly, it's just not a good defense anymore. So they do find themselves in these type of game scripts sometimes, but to have to lean on a game script like this for Chase Claypool to get his stats because he's not playing very much due to the toe injury is something you have to watch. So you're going to see this in the box score, and you're going to see Chase Claypool like, oh, Maybe I can have some more confidence in playing Claypool as that you know wide receiver three who's getting a lot of targets uh, moving forward. He is not, talk about players you trust, he is not a player I trust moving forward. When you actually take a little closer look, watch that game, take a little closer look at the usage. He wasn't out there very often. Now, he took advantage when he was, and that's the good news for him if you played him. But his usage needs to tick up a little bit if I'm going to have any confidence. The good news is, they got 10 days until they have to play their next game, so he gets the extra time off. But from what I understand, this toe injury is not expected to go away until the offseason. So he's going to probably be dealing with this all the way through until 2022. So we'll have to keep our eye on this, but I am a little bit worried about the playing time and the usage here. Deontay Johnson, 
was this a little bit of a disappointing performance? Yes, because he didn't light it up against Minnesota in a game in which the Steelers had to throw the ball 40 times and come back at the end. Minnesota was doing their darndest to take him away. But if you tell me Deontay Johnson's floor is a five-catch, 76-yard performance, wound up getting a two-point conversion, so he got you the two points there on 10 targets, I'll take that as a floor for Deontay Johnson. We'll talk about receivers we trust. We love Deontay Johnson moving forward. Najee Harris, two touchdowns. It was the game of the running backs this week. Two touchdowns. He had three catches for 10 yards on three targets and the score, and then he ran in a score and was efficient on the ground, too. 20 carries, 94 yards, 4.7 yards per carry. Does tack on the rushing touchdown. Obviously, the efficiency comes because the matchup was so good here against the Minnesota Vikings. But Najee Harris is just an RB1 the rest of the way. There's really not much else to say. The volume continues to stay there. Am I a little bit concerned if the Steelers find themselves out of the playoffs as the usage continue? Uh, no. The, the answer to that question is no. I get asked that question a lot. No. It's not who Mike Tomlin is. Mike Tomlin's history is that I ride one guy if I have that one guy that I can trust. And regardless, the Steelers are not out of it yet, so you still have another week to not worry about it. But this is also a very prideful team, a very prideful head coach in Mike Tomlin who's never had a losing record. You can be sure that even if they're out of the playoffs, especially now this is Ben Roethlisberger's last year, his farewell tour that he's officially announced, they're going to do everything they can to win every game, whether they're in the playoffs or not. Najee Harris's usage is not going to tick down. I, even if you think it should for future for future purposes, and that, that part I'm not going to necessarily argue about what the logic is behind it, but I'm going to tell you this is what the tea leaves are telling me. This is what the history has proven. I'm not worried about Najee Harris losing the volume that keeps him at that top five running back overall. Okay, here's what we want to do. I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got the late slate of matchup previews to go over for all of our fantasy football expectations and our bets of the week. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you are in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live 
on social media at Billy Up MVFF Show. If you get the chance, subscribe to our MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app and the MD's Fantasy Football Show app channel on Amazon Fire TV on any one of your Android or Amazon Fire devices. We're available to you everywhere and more still to come. I promise you, MD Nation. Very exciting things, and it's all due to our following that is growing. It's due to MD Nation. It's due to the support you've been giving us. And in turn, I'll continue to keep doing my best to give you guys the edge in your fantasy football leagues. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're talking now about the late slate of matchup previews for week 14. So the later afternoon games, depending upon what you know time zone you're in, uh, the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. Talk about our bets, talk about our fantasy football expectations. But I do have a little bit of breaking news to go over real quick that just happened while we were in the break. Breaking news. All right, so first up, the Jets officially roll out Tevin Coleman, so he'll definitely be out this week. It will be uh, Ty Johnson as the lead running back. Also, Elijah Moore is listed as questionable. It sounds like he's going to be a game-time decision, so everybody stay tuned to that one. And the next piece of news that we had actually leads into our first game that we're going to preview here. DeAndre Swift not expected to play uh, Dan Campbell officially coming out and saying it's unlikely. We kind of knew that because he had not practiced Wednesday, Thursday. And it sounds like he's not going to practice again today. The hope is, at least from Dan Campbell's side, that he'll be back next week, week 15. We'll have to see. I mean, he was hopeful he was going to come back this week and wasn't able to do so. But what I will say is this. The injury DeAndre Swift had, most experts believed it was going to be a two-week injury. So there was never any, other than Dan Campbell, there was never any real expectation DeAndre Swift would be back week 14. If you're asking yourself, well, Dan, will he actually bother to bring DeAndre Swift back with this team being you know, clearly out of it and him being his best, you know, the best offensive weapon, they don't want to get him hurt for next season. My answer to that is that because Dan Campbell is an old school type of head coach and because he is desperately trying to win games because he's desperately trying to turn around a culture that is very obvious. I do believe that if DeAndre Swift is back and ready to go week 15, he will be back out there and playing. I, I don't doubt that for an entire second. This, the Lions might be you know only one win on the season, but they are trying to win games because Dan Campbell's trying to get this team turned around. So I don't worry about DeAndre Swift being shut down for the rest of the season or anything like that. Now, of course, instead, Jamal Williams will once again step in as the lead ball carrier. But the problem is we saw last week, Jamal Williams, apparently, I don't know what happened, why this is the case, why they're pitching holding him because he's been proven to be a decent pass catcher in the past, but that wasn't his role last week. They didn't allow him to be the third down back. He didn't allow him to be in two minute drill. So Jamal Williams steps into a heavy workload as far as carries go. And we know the Lions will run the ball because that's, that's what their offense is based off of. But he can't be anything more than a low-end RB2 because he doesn't have the added boosted floor of necessarily being able to get the pass-catching role. To get five-plus targets in a game to boost his floor and make him a solid RB2 because we can look at him as a pure workhorse back. In a lot of ways, he's, he's nothing more than what he was even when DeAndre Swift was on the field. Just getting a few extra carries, that's the only difference. So you're hoping... He falls into the end zone because he's not really a guy who gets you 100 yards. This is not a great matchup against Denver. It's not a terrible one either, but it's not a great matchup against Denver for guys who only run the football, especially up the middle, because that's where Denver is best at stopping the run to begin with. So I don't really love this, but 
the volume dictates Jamal Williams should be considered at the very least a low end RB two. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have more upside than that. Maybe a high end RB, maybe a high end RB three. There's kind of a little bit lower of a floor. So I think you have to consider playing Jamal Williams for sure. But if you're in a situation this week where you got to win and you're playing against a team that's really stacked, you might have to look at other options because you might have to look at somebody with more upside. So just kind of take your matchup into consideration and what else you have available to you. Because I wouldn't blame you if you decided to pivot to an option that maybe has more upside because you got to take a shot somewhere, especially after last night. There's going to be a lot of people out there who had to play against Dalvin Cook, had to play against Najee Harris. I had a league where I actually had to play against both of them in the same league. So I'm really hindering in that in that one going into this week. Although I already had everything locked up in that one. So I'm not worried about it. I'm going to the playoffs anyway. However, if you're in that situation, you might have to contemplate those options. So Jamal Williams will be a playable guy, but I do think it's situational. TJ Hawkinson, I know he's been a little bit banged up. His hand was wrapped. The expectation as of right now is that he will uh, be able to play as long as he's able to get in some work today here at practice. So we'll keep you up to date on the MD's Fantasy Football Show and, and see what's going on. I do have some news coming in for Cincinnati right now. We talked about this game already before, so I'll just give you guys the update real quick. They do not see Joe Mixon practicing at the start of the walkthrough practice today. So that means he'll be out all week with the illness. Again, I talked about this with Joe Mixon. We don't need him to necessarily practice in order for him to be active on Sunday. He's just got to be feeling better by Sunday, but we'll have to keep an eye on that. T. Higgins and Joe Burrow both out there practicing, so they will be good to go. No concerns there. So TJ Hawkinson, if he's able to suit up, is still my tight end nine. You're playing him. The volume's there. Lately, he's actually been able to find the end zone finally. I think you have to play him as a top 10 tight end. You're not moving off of TJ Hawkinson. Unfortunately, he did not turn into the special, surefire, top five, top six tight end that I had him ranked going into the season that I was hoping for this year, hoping for the big breakout with the big volume piece that he was expected to have. He hasn't necessarily always had that volume. And so, therefore, he's been more towards that low-end tight end area where you're always asking yourself, is there a better option for me to stream or not? Ultimately, as far as the floor standpoint, the talent standpoint, I don't think you're benching TJ Hawkinson for any one of those streaming quote-unquote tight ends, but he does have to be ranked in that territory, but I am going to play him this week. I'm not playing any of the receivers. I know St. Brown had a nice matchup last week or a nice nice performance last week, I should say, the 10 catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. But St. Brown has had moments where he's performed in the past. We started to think like, okay, maybe they're starting to shift because it makes sense, right? He's a slot receiver, which is already proven this year. If you're a slot receiver, you're guaranteed a certain amount of target share. Jared Goff has had the history of targeting bigger body slot receivers, a.k.a. Cooper Cup. But then he's had a, uh, he's always going back the other way the following week where he's barely involved in the offense. And you can't really trust his Detroit offense in general to always be able to perform. They're going on the road in Denver to coming off of a big emotional win against the Minnesota Vikings it wouldn't be shocking if they came out a little bit flat in this game. So I'm going to stay away from the wide receivers. None of them make my top 36. I'll play Jamal Williams. I'll play TJ Hawkinson, and I'm not interested in anything else. On the Denver side of the football, Melvin Gordon's back. Uh, so this is going to be reflected. Right now, I had my rankings. In the, I did these earlier in the week where I had Javante Williams ranked as an RB8 heading into the week. I will move him down to a top-end RB2. 
but he's still going to be in that borderline high in RB2, low in RB1 territory because of the match against Detroit and because he's so good and he's so talented. But make no mistake, Melvin Gordon, if he's activated, which we expect him to be because he's been able to practice all week, he will go back to having his full role. He will go back to being in a split in a 50-50 committee with Javante Williams. So Melvin Gordon is also a solid RB2 to play this week. He belongs in your lineups as well, without a doubt about that. Uh, and then you have Jerry Judy at wide receiver 28. He's the only Denver Bronco wide receiver that I have in my top 36. Teddy Bridgewater just continues to spread the ball out way too much. He continues not to take shots because Judy operates primarily as the slot receiver in the intermediate short part of the field. He has the safest floor out of all the Denver Bronco pass catchers. He has been consistent in getting five plus targets every single week, which is why he makes my wide receiver 28 list. But you're not, you can't expect any kind of boom performance. You're not expecting me to get hundred yards. You're not expecting me to get a touchdown. You're hoping he gets you about 60 to 80 yards with five to six catches. That's what you're looking for out of, a Jerry Judy. So it's not a whole lot there. So again, this kind of goes back to the Jamal Williams point of you could play this guy because he has a high floor and he'll make my top 36 or he'll make my ranks in the way in which he's somebody that I'm probably suggesting to play. But if you need a boom performance, you're not going to get it out of Judy. You're not going to get it out of any of these wide receivers, even against this matchup against Detroit. Teddy Bridgewater has become more and more allergic to throwing the ball out on the perimeter, unfortunately. So that's where we're at now with Teddy Bridgewater. It's, it's a shame. They have so many weapons. The good news for the Denver Broncos is in Dynasty and, and 2022. They locked down Cortland Sutton. You locked down Tim Patrick. KJ Hamler will be back. You'll still have Jerry Judy. You'll have Javante Williams. And you'll still have a Noah Fant and Alberto next season. If they can just get that quarterback, whether it be Russell Wilson, who said he, you know, or had, you know, reported that he has on his list, Denver is one of the teams he's willing to be traded to or they sign Aaron Rodgers, or they trade for Deshaun Watson. They just bring in a premier quarterback. This could be the number one offense in the NFL next season. That, that's all it's going to take. So we'll have to see. But for this year, staying away from everybody except for Jerry Judy, if I need a floor play, you can't play Noah Fant. He's splitting targets with Alberto. And on top of, you know, <laughs> all the other pass catchers, you got to get the ball to. This offense revolves around the running game. You play Javante Williams. You play Melvin Gordon. And if you can help it, really not anything else unless you need a high floor in Jerry Judy. So let's talk about betting this game. Denver Broncos is a bigger line than I was expecting, especially since Detroit was able to pull off a win. But they're minus seven and a half at home over Detroit. The overrunner set at 42. I think that's about right. I could even see that game going possibly under. But I am going to have a lock bet here. I am going to go with Denver covering this game. I just think it's going to be it's going to be a big emotional letdown for Detroit. They had their Super Bowl win last week against Minnesota. I don't think they can perform the way they did two weeks in a row without DeAndre Swift, who is their best offensive player. Denver, while not great this season, has a very solid team, especially when they play against inferior competition. That's what we've seen. Like Denver's defense plays like Denver's defense when they play against an inferior offense, which I know that's not saying much as far as your actual full NFL outlook, but they have. Look at the first part of the season. First three weeks when they opened it up and they were they were you know the hot fire of the league when they went three and zero kind of similar to Carolina played three inferior teams back to back to back they took care of business so they beat the teams they're supposed to beat they can't beat any of the teams that they're equal to or need to pull an upset over but the teams they're supposed to beat they do and they usually cover so I'll give me the Denver Broncos 
minus seven and a half in this matchup. All right, let's move into the Giants and the Los Angeles Chargers. This game going to be in Los Angeles. Oh, God, the Giants are so bad. So the Giants have turned into the Houston Texans to me uh, in the sense of there's only one player I care about. So I, I care about Saquon Barkley. On the Texans, it'd be Brandon Cooks. On the Giants, it's Saquon Barkley. It has been pretty, obviously, but the volume keeps Saquon as an RB2. I got him. I actually have him all the way up to RB12. So I was a low end RB1 this week. The reason why he's so high is because the Chargers have not been very good against running backs. And there's nothing, there's nobody else to give the ball to right now for New York. Kenny G probably going to miss this game. Kadarius Tony probably going to miss this game. It, it might only be Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Evan Ingram. But then you got maybe a Mike Lennon. They're trying to get back from concussion protocol. If not, it's Jake Fromm. So here's what I'm going to talk about the quarterback situation. They're definitely hopeful that Mike Lennon's going to be able to come back. But let's say he doesn't. Let's say it is Jake Fromm. I actually like that more for Saquon Barkley because Jake Fromm is going to be a check down machine. So you get that floor with Saquon in the passing game. Last week, we saw at the end, the Giants tried to come back at the end. He got some garbage time catches to kind of boost his floor, especially in PPR leagues. The volume will keep Saquon at least as an RB2. If he scores, he's got a good shot to be a low in RB1. And because of the match against the Chargers, he's in a position where that's a possibility. So that's why I do actually have Saquon as an RB12. And I think you're definitely playing him regardless. I think he has a safe floor to go with it. But the one thing I will say I'm a little bit concerned about, besides you know, the Giants just being a, a generally terrible team right now, and Saquon, you know, he's not he's not Saquon of old or anything like that. But in the beginning part of that game last week, it almost felt like we had a 50-50 committee on our hands. Remember, it was like Saquon and then Devontae Booker. It wasn't even a series-by-series thing. It was like a play-by-play thing. They were switching in and out running backs. That sort of went away as the game went on. As we got closer to the second half and into the second half, Saquon started to play more of his normal usage well ahead of Devontae Booker. But I was a little bit concerned about why they led off the game with that. We'll see if that continues to be the case. The Giants know, though, right now, Saquon is their best offensive player. So I think it's kind of kind of be like a DeAndre Swift situation where obviously he's not as good as or explosive as like Swift is right now. But you know, even if the offense duds out on you, the volume is going to keep you fantasy relevant. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this with Saquon. I'm playing him. I'm not playing anybody else on the Giants for obvious reasons. So we flip over to the Chargers side. Obviously, the big story this week is the wide receivers, you know. Who's going to play? Who's going to be able to make it back from the COVID-19 list? I will say this. I am very confident. I shouldn't say very confident. I am a good amount of confidence that Mike Williams is going to be active for this game. So remember, he was a close contact, but he, was, he wasn't on the COVID-19 list on Wednesday like it was reported. He was actually a close contact going back to Monday. He is eligible to return as long as he continues to test negative tomorrow, Saturday. He has tested, reportedly, he has tested negative. Unfortunately, I don't know why, but he's not vaccinated. And that's another thing for another day. But he's not vaccinated, but he has tested negative this entire time. Because this happened on a Monday, he can be activated on Sunday. And because he's been testing negative this entire time, I feel pretty confident about his chances that he'll be eligible to come back on Saturday, participate in the walkthrough practice that teams generally have on Saturdays, and then he'll be able to play on Sunday. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I am less confident about Keenan Allen. So even though Keenan Allen does have a chance to come back because he is vaccinated, so all he needs is to be able to play or all he needs is to be able to get two negative COVID tests uh, within a 24-hour period. I feel less confident about this. We've seen this time and time again this season where guys just don't quite make it back. Maybe he shows symptoms. Maybe he doesn't get that second negative test in time. There's definitely a chance for Keenan Allen, but I feel less confident about Keenan Allen's chances than I do Mike Williams' chances. So let's let's analyze this from both scenarios. If they're both out there on the field, obviously, I love them both this week against the Giants. It's a great matchup. Chargers are playing really, really well. There's a chance that Austin Eckler could dominate this game, but that's not generally Austin Eckler's style because even when he dominates... It's not necessarily on the ground. It's still through the air. This still has to be a pass-first team in order to do what their offense can do. Uh, So I'd like to match up both. Both of them are high-end wide receiver twos. They're both out there on the field. If Keenan Allen does not play, the extra volume share that goes to Mike Williams will probably make him a wide receiver 11. I'll make him a low-end wide receiver one in my book heading into this week. Now, let's talk about why. Because Mike Williams has been this big controversial player all season long, trying to figure out what is Mike Williams exactly after the performance we saw at the beginning of the season, and then it just taper off. So there's a couple things to say. First of all, I acknowledge that there's been times in the past where Mike Williams has had the opportunity to be the lead receiver from targets without Keenan Allen being on the field and has been able to take advantage. That was also with different coaches, different offensive staffs that were not, even when Keenan Allen was out, utilizing him as anything more than a big play jump ball type of wide receiver. The other thing I liked, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, I started noticing a pattern in the change of usage where the usage was kind of going back to what we saw earlier in the season where he was running a full route tree. He was getting more involved in their short intermediate part of the field where they kind of went through this little stretch where he went back to just being a big play wide receiver. And that's why his targets fell off. His production fell off and we're all left to wonder, can we continue to play Mike Williams last week? it kind of came to full fruition where we came back where he was in a one, a one B featured role with Keenan Allen last week. Now it wasn't the double digit targets that it was earlier in the season where they were both getting over 10 targets, but Keenan Allen, I believe had eight uh, Mike Williams had seven. So it was definitely closer. It wasn't just a Keenan Allen show. And then we sprinkle in Mike Williams. They were featuring both these guys and while Mike Williams, yes, he did, probably like 90% of his damage in the first quarter, but so did the Chargers offense in general. They had pretty much did all their damage in the first half in general last week. So I'm not really worried about that. But because he was more featured with Keenan Allen, I feel a little bit more confident that they're getting back to realizing what they need to do with Mike Williams, that their offense is better when he gets involved in this kind of way. 
So if Keenan Allen's going to miss, I think he'll keep his role as a featured guy who gets featured in all levels of the field and doesn't just go back to being a big play threat wide receiver. So that's why I like Michael Williams a lot. That's why he will be a low-end wide receiver one if Keenan Allen does miss, but still be a mid-level to high-end wide receiver two, even if they're both out there on the field. I do have Justin Herbert as a QB5. Uh, I guess the Giants here, you're playing him, you're starting him. He has the pattern, unfortunately, of having that big game coming back and having a dud game performance after that. But again, I go back to this Charger team. In order for them to do their damage, they have to do it through the air. So even a game in which maybe they don't have to be overly aggressive against the Giants in order to win, I think the volume will still be there. The matchup is there. You're playing Justin Herbert. You're playing these wide receivers. Oh, and Austin Eckler is my number one running back on the week. So play all the Chargers. <laughs> I, I don't, don't know why you wouldn't, but I wouldn't be too concerned about it being like, you know, a dub performance following up after a good one. I know it's been their pattern, but they don't usually have the Giants the following week either. Uh, as far as betting this game goes, Vegas agrees that it's the Chargers a heavy favorite here. Minus 10 and a half. The over-under set at 44 and a half. I think you have to bet on the Chargers at minus 10 and a half. Whether it's Mike Lennon, whether it's Jake Fromm, the Giants don't score points. They don't. They don't have the capacity to be able to score points. So I do think the Chargers win this by a couple of scores. I don't see how the Giants can keep this game all that close. When you get to this, when you get to a double-digit point spread, you have to worry a little bit about the backdoor cover. But I don't see that happening, especially if Jake Fromm wants to be the starting quarterback. But even if it's Mike Lennon, I do think there's a situation here where the Chargers will win at home by double-digit points. So give me the Chargers a 10.5 heading into this matchup. All right, what I want to do now is take another quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games to preview for the late slate window of week 14. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back in MD Nation to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at Show. Also streaming to you live on YouTube. Please subscribe. Check us out in your favorite pod streaming app after the show. And make sure you're downloading us on the Amazon App Store on your favorite Android or Fire TV device. 
As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We went over the Thursday night recap, some injury updates, and we're talking about the late slate window of games for Week 14, giving you our matchup previews, our fantasy football analysis, and our bets of the week. But while we were on break, we had some breaking news. Breaking news. David Culley has officially thrown in the white flag. The Houston Texans are thrown in the white flag. Davis Mills not just will be the starting quarterback for this week over Tyrod Taylor. He will be the starting quarterback the rest of the season. So all that concern we had about Brandon Cooks gets even worse. So he goes from probably a high-end wide receiver three. He'll still be my top 36, but he might be more of a mid-level, low-end wide receiver three at that Oh, man, Houston, Houston, we have a problem. You know, it's a little shocking to me, honestly, that Houston has a better record than Detroit because they don't have as much talent as Detroit. Believe it or not, you look at Detroit, and you're like, they don't have a lot of talent. But Houston, outside of Brandon Cooks, what, what, what do they have? I mean, I mean, really, what do they have outside of Brandon Cooks? Because Davis Mills is a bum. Let's get that straight right away. This is not a franchise quarterback. This is not a guy who ever should have been taken as their top pick in the third round. Uh, he's a bum, period. He shouldn't even be a backup quarterback, and I don't think he will be in this league for very long. But this is this is going to be really, really bad in Houston for the rest of the way. Oof. All right, though, that's not the game we're talking about coming out of the break, though. We're talking about Buffalo and Tampa Bay. We're talking about the game of the week. So Buffalo, look, last Monday night, and, here, and this, this is why I hate primetime games. For, well, I mean, I shouldn't say it. I love primetime games. I love watching them. I hate the reaction the primetime games that follow the following day because good or bad, it's so amplified on a national level. It gets really annoying and opinions and, and analysis, even from experts gets completely out of whack to what the actual reality of the situation is. So please keep in mind last Monday night when they played the new England Patriots, you had terrible weather conditions, hurricane level type of winds and that's why you had a poor performance, not just both offensively, but the Buffalo Bills in particular. I know they've been a bit frustrating fantasy-wise this season, in general, even when there's not you know crazy weather out there. But don't take this as all of a sudden Buffalo is not going to be able to put up offensive points against Tampa Bay, who everybody has been able to throw on this season. Even if Tampa Bay gets a little bit healthier in the secondary, you can throw the ball on them. You can move the ball on them. You can score on them. And I do think this game is going to be a high-scoring shootout-level game. Buffalo doesn't run the ball anyway, so this isn't even going to be a problem for them if they have to stick to the passing game. Josh Allen is my QB1 on the week, and I don't think that should really come as a surprise. There's no way in my mind he doesn't throw for at least 40 attempts. He will be the running game against Tampa Bay. I guarantee he's going to be the leading rusher this upcoming week, and I, he always has a bounce-back week, okay? Josh Allen's going to be the QB one this week. I have no reservations about that. You really don't want to start a Buffalo Bills running back. I mean, not just because of the matchup here against Tampa Bay, but if Matt Breida hadn't fumbled, I don't know how much Zach Moss would have gotten involved in that game on Monday night. I really don't because they started off the game with Devin Singletary, Matt Breida. Zach Moss was activated unlike last week, but I don't really know if they planned on actually utilizing him as much as they did, and they still didn't utilize him that much either. The only running back who has a safe role is Devin Singletary. And he does make my RB 31. So technically he makes my top 36 as nothing more than a, if you need a running back with a heartbeat, cause you got four teams on by and a bunch of running backs banged up. That's why he gets into my top 36, but preferably if you could avoid the Buffalo Bills backfield altogether, please do so. 
Stephon Diggs is my wide receiver six. I think he's got a great chance to score a touchdown in this game. Again, I'm expecting a shootout. That means Stephon Diggs has to get involved. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is not practicing today. Now, the report that we're getting is that he has a excused personal reason absence. So it's not an injury. And as long as there's nothing too severe going on in his home life, and I hope there's not, uh, he should be activated on Sunday. But you're not playing him for fantasy purposes anyway. Emmanuel Sanders hasn't been relevant since week six. His usage has completely fallen off. And the last three weeks now, Gabriel Davis has been more involved and been a higher producer than Emmanuel Sanders has. But him himself doesn't have a usage that can stabilize for wanting to play him in your fantasy football lineups either. So this team really has melted down to Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Dawson Knox. I don't want Cole Beasley. He's been a little bit banged up and his role's kind of gone away or his role's kind of gone away since Dawson Knox has been back. It's the Swan Diggs and the Dawson Knox show. Now, Dawson Knox is my tight end for this week. He's the top five guy against Tampa Bay. They've let up a bunch of touchdowns to the tight ends so far this season. Their top 10 matchup, four tight ends to begin with. He's been very good. He is the second pass catcher, in my opinion, in this high-volume offense. Dawson Knox is a surefire must-play this week against Tampa Bay. Now let's flip over to the Tampa Bay side of the ball. As you would expect, I'm playing everybody. And yes, on paper, this is a tough Buffalo Bills team. And you'll you'll see the numbers against the Patriots where, you know, they only let up 14 points. But again, you have to throw that game out for anything fantasy football relevant. Tom Brady is my QB4. There's no Tredavious White, which that, of course, helps out Mike Evans in the biggest way possible. He's a must-play wide receiver, too. Now, I do have them a little bit lower. Mike Evans is more a mid-level wide receiver two for me. Chris Godwin, a wide receiver 12. So he's at the low-end wide receiver one position. I've typically had these guys as wide receiver ones, high-end wide receiver twos, both of them, if not both in my top 12, sometimes both in my top 10. I'm not going to go that far this week because this is still a good Bills defense, even without Tredavious White, but they're lacking. You've been able to run on them lately, which is why Leonard Fournette, by the way, is still an RB5 for me this week. I didn't move him down in my rankings at all because they're playing Buffalo. Because you've been able, teams have been able to run right at them, and they're figuring that out. But without Tredavious White, this isn't the I'm terrified to throw the ball on the outside of them anyway. And you're playing against the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are the number one passing team in the NFL, coming off of a big, big game last week, getting that offensive passing attack right, which had been slumping a little bit, and they took advantage last week in their big matchup against Atlanta. You're playing everybody with confidence, even though on paper. Buffalo is going to look like a tough matchup. So Brady's my QB four, Leonard Fournette, my RB five, Mike Evans, my wide receiver 19, Chris Godwin is my wide receiver 12 and Rob Gronkowski. We can't forget about him. He's my tight end five without Antonio Brown. Rob Gronkowski has a very safe floor. As far as his usage goes, he's the number one touchdown producer in the passing game on that team. Yes. Buffalo has been a little bit tough against tight ends. Gronk as far as matchup goes, is probably the guy I'm most worried about heading into this game. But him and Brady are just on a whole other level right now, especially when it comes to the red zone. So for me, it's kind of easy peasy. You're playing all Tampa Bay Buccaneer players uh, involved. Let's talk about betting this game. It is close. I think it will be a tight game. The spread here is at minus three for Tampa Bay at home. This game could go either way. These are two very good, talented teams. Buffalo coming off a tough loss. I think they'll give them a little more extra angst heading into this matchup. I'm not going to bet on the spread in this game or who's going to win and or lose. I think they both have an equal chance of that happening, but the over runners at 52 and a half. 
I do think both of these teams, between the two of them, this game will get to 60. Uh, whether it's both scoring 30, 30, 27. I had the final score actually at 34, 27 heading into this week. So I have it at, uh, what is that, 61 points. I think this will get to 60. So I'm actually going to take the over in this game at 52 and a half for Tampa Bay and Buffalo. And that will be my bet for them. Let's move into Chicago. Let's move into Green Bay. Let's move into the Sunday night game. So Aaron Rodgers, he's going to win again. He's going to continue to prove that he owns Chicago. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. We're, we're not concerned about that in any kind of capacity. But how is it going to work out fantasy-wise? I mean, Rodgers lit him up the last time. I do have him as my QB7 this week. You're definitely, obviously, playing him. He's been dealing with that toe issue coming out of the bye week. He's still not practicing. And as we've seen, that doesn't matter. In fact, I'll say this. In a weird way, the toe issue makes Rodgers a better fantasy quarterback. I don't know if it makes him a better quarterback overall, but it makes him a better fantasy quarterback. The reason why is that he doesn't want, he has no interest in holding on to that ball longer than he has to because he doesn't want to accidentally get stepped on. He doesn't want to get hit, obviously. So he is, they're snapping the ball. He's taking his three step drop and he's getting the ball out of his hands. He's taking what the defense is giving him right off the bat. We saw the performance right before the bye week when he, he lit it up and went for almost 400 yards and had three touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers is at his best when he's not trying to do too much, when he's not trying to make that big play. He's at his best when it's one, two, three, get the ball out. And that's when Devontae Adams goes off. That's when this entire Green Bay offense works uh, great. Adams is my wide receiver three this week. You have confidence in Rodgers, you have confidence in Adams. So let's talk about the running back position. Aaron Jones, I'm probably lower on Aaron Jones than anybody this week. Apparently, the expert consensus still has him as a top 12 running back. I don't see how you can put him that high. Or at least, if you are going to have him that high, I don't see how A.J. Dillon is not high in RB2. They have to be close together. I think we finally reached a point in the season where this is a 55-45 committee between an Aaron Rodgers and an A.J. Dillon. Not quite 50-50. But look at the last month. Now, I know Aaron Jones was a little bit banged up, and we'll see if he's closer to being back to 100% health and what that means for his usage heading into this game. But I got him as an RB19. I got A.J. Dillon as an RB26. Mostly, not because of the matchup, most because I have them eating into each other. I think if Aaron Jones is going to get a little bit more of the work, in the carry department, just a little bit more, but AJ Dillon's going to be heavily involved. Again, I got him at 55 45 split. So they kind of take away from each other a little bit. You're hoping one of them falls into the end zone. Maybe one of them makes a big play. Where Aaron Jones gets the edge, obviously, is the passing game. Because I do believe if Aaron Jones is 100% healthy or close to 100% healthy, even though AJ Dillon has shown he can be involved in the passing game more than anybody ever anticipated him to be able to do so, Aaron Jones will be the main pass catching back more times than not. When they're on the field, he runs more routes. He usually gets more targets. So I'm not worried about that aspect. That's what gives Aaron Jones a little bit more of a boost. And that's where it's more of a it's more of a 65-35 split when it comes to the passing work between these two. You want to play both of them. Like I have the utmost confidence in playing both an Aaron Jones and an AJ Dillon in my lineup. And feeling pretty good that I have a safe floor. And if they score, I'll have a pretty good ceiling to go along with it. But Aaron Jones is not a bona fide RB1 to me if he has to split this kind of work 
with A.J. Dillon the rest of the way, and I do believe he will. The Packers are looking to try. They're still competing for that first seed. This is a playoff-bound team. They have something there with A.J. Dillon. You want all of your best playmakers to play. From an NFL standpoint, as annoying as, as, annoying as it is from fantasy, from an NFL standpoint, this team is at its best if both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon get to be the engine of the, well, not the engine of the offense, that's Aaron Rodgers, but get to be a big part of the offense, both of them. From a fantasy standpoint, it's a nightmare. But both of them have to be that. So I'm playing both. I have confidence in both, but I don't have either one of them as RB1 setting into this matchup, in particular Aaron Jones. Because they're going to eat into each other, it does lower the floor just a bit for an Aaron Jones, making him more of an RB2 than an RB1. But I'm playing both of them at the end of the day. Uh, Randall Cobb, he's expected to be out the rest of the year, obviously, with the injury that he's had. Devontae Adams was listed with a hamstring injury on Wednesday, but he's been practicing, so we were not really, really too concerned about that. I don't have Alan Lazard, and I don't have Marquez Valdez-Scantling inside my top 36. Their usage is too sporadic, both of them. Of the two, if I'm going to play one, it would probably be MVS because he has the higher ceiling. He has the big play capability. But I don't want to play either one of these guys if I can at all help it. Again, going back to the trust word. You're at the point of the season when you want to play guys you can trust. You cannot trust a second wide receiver in the Green Bay Packer offense at all. On the Chicago side, Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback. And now we know that Allen Robinson has a chance to play. So that really kind of you know, screwed things up in my rankings a little bit. Without Allen Robinson out there, I didn't really care if it was Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. I actually kind of preferred Andy Dalton a little bit because he throws it to the outside a little bit more. But not too worried about it either way because even when Justin Fields was a quarterback, Darnell Mooney was still the number one guy that he would turn to. So Darnell Mooney has a safe target share. And he was a solid wide receiver too for me, wide receiver 22 coming into this week. If you add Allen Robinson in, yes, Mooney's been the number one target receiver over, over Allen Robinson this season. There's no doubt about that. But at the very least, he comes in, he's activated. He at least takes away some targets from Mooney. The one thing that's been nice about Mooney is that because you have the bad quarterback play, the bad offensive play, but he's a guy that, except for last week, I believe it was, has been getting about double-digit targets on a pretty consistent basis in the absence of Allen Robinson. Now, that goes from 10-plus targets dipping down to seven. That's still not bad. You'll take that volume. He'll still be in the conversation as a wide receiver three. I do believe he'll still be the wide receiver you want to own and play in Chicago right now, as crazy as that sounds with Allen Robinson, but that's just how it's been this season. However, he becomes a very, very much more of a boom or bust type of player. So if you have somebody with a higher floor, perhaps you may want to look elsewhere. So Mooney is probably going to come down a couple of spots if Allen Robinson is in fact going to be active on Sunday. If not, I'm playing him as a bona fide wide receiver too. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. David Montgomery, he came back to practice on Thursday. People were a little bit scared on Wednesday when he didn't, he didn't come in. He was back to practice on Thursday. He's expected to practice today. He'll be good to go. He's my RB13. You like the match against the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, you're playing him. He's a high-end RB2 with a low-end RB1 upside. There's really not much to say about that. Cole Komet is a deep sleeper for me. But again, this goes back to the Allen Robinson issue. With Robinson back in there, you can't trust the target share a Cole Komet's going to get. So he does not make my top 16 tight ends. So he's not in my streaming territory this week. Now, if Allen Robinson misses, he goes back to being a tight end who's looking at somewhere between six to eight targets, possibly more. Then he'll probably creep back up to around that streaming territory if you're looking around for tight ends. Other than that, though, not really interested in Chicago the rest of the way. So about betting on the Sunday night game. It's a big, it's a big line. It is. Green Bay Packers are minus 12 and a half, but the overrunners at 43 and a half. That's interesting. Usually speaking, those two things cannot coexist. It does happen once in a while. I'm not saying it never does, but data speaking wise, if you have that low of an over under, you can't normally also cover a double digit point spread in this, in this instance. Uh, I do think the Bears plus 12 and a half. I don't think the Packers are going to blow the Bears out in this game. Again, Justin Fields being back. The Bears play tough, especially they play tough against the AFC. Uh, I'm sorry, the NFC rivals like the Green Bay Packers. They don't normally win. I'm not saying that, but they usually keep that game within two scores. So I'm actually going to take the game. The Bears plus 12 and a half in this one. If I'm going to bet it at all. Okay. Uh, I don't think the Packers are going to come in here and just blow or in Green Bay and just blow them out. That's not the type of team that they typically have been this season. Let's move on to the Monday night matchup. You got the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. So on one hand, NFL wise, this will be a much better Monday night game than it was last week. We don't have to worry about the weather. It's in Arizona and you have two high flying offenses. We all we all will be much more entertained that that much. I can promise you in this Monday night game. So that that's the good news. Matthew Stafford, he comes in. He's my QB 10. Arizona has been a very good defensive team and Stafford is still not quite right. Uh, looked a little bit better, played a little bit better last week, but still it wasn't until the second half. Remember against Jacksonville, that first half, I remember shaking my head at one point thinking to myself, wow, you're playing Jacksonville. And in the first half, it looks like more of the same that we've seen over the past three weeks where you just look a little bit off. Now, he got going in the second half, and the Rams' offense blew up, and, and maybe that was a spark they need to get back into rhythm. But Arizona's been pretty good defensively, and they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, which this offensive line of the Rams is not very good. And what we've seen so far this season, if you can put ample amount of pressure on Matt Stafford, being that he's a little bit banged up, he turns into more of a 55 completion percentage quarterback rather than the 65 to 70 that he typically is. That's a huge difference. So that's why he comes in my QB 10. You're still playing him as a QB one, but most of the time this season, he's been, you know, in my top six, top seven. And that's why I have him a little bit lower heading into this matchup, but you're still going to play him at the end of the day. 
Darrell Henderson, he comes in my RB18. He was practicing yesterday. Remember, yesterday, Thursday, because the Monday night game was the first day of practice for these two teams. He was out there already in a limited capacity. So it does look like Darrell Henderson is not just going to be active this week, but he's also going to play this week. So if you got burned by it last week, I hope you did it. But if you did, don't worry. This week, I don't expect you to get burned again. If you have Darrell Henderson, put him in your lineups as an RB2. Remember, the Arizona Cardinals are actually a bottom 15 rush defense since J.J. Watt has gone out. They've taken a big hit in the rushing department. On paper, you're going to look at them. You're going to see they're still top 10 against the run. That's actually not been the case since J.J. Watt has disappeared. So you're not worried about this matchup. You take Darrell Henderson as a mid-level RB2. Cooper Cops to my wide receiver one. I know he got listed yesterday with a toe issue. Sean McVay said he wasn't concerned. Uh, and he's gonna. he came out, he practiced in limited capacity. Remember, it was still the first day of practice, so it was the equivalent to a Wednesday practice. So the fact that Cooper Cup was out there at all, I'm not really too worried about this. You love him. You're playing him, obviously. OBJ, Van Jefferson. I still have Van Jefferson ranked ahead of OBJ. I actually at wide receiver 23. I have OBJ at wide receiver 28. So Van Jefferson, that low-end wide receiver 2, basically for me this week. OBJ still a mid-level wide receiver 3. Van Jefferson, we don't have to talk about too much. We know he's playing just as much as Cooper Cup is. He's kind of he's more taken over the Robert Woodsy type of role. Uh, he still gets his shots down the field. He's a guy that maybe he's not getting you five to seven catches, but he's still getting you eight, nine, ten targets in a game. He's still a talent for that big play. He still gets targeted in the red zone a good enough amount of time. He's that solid wide receiver too, who has a nice boom ceiling to be able to go with it. OBJ is not too far behind that because they've been more interchangeable with the way they've utilized these guys. Last week, I know he comes with a touchdown. So if you played him, he saved your fantasy day from that standpoint. Only two catches, 28 yards. But he played significantly less than he did the week before. Obviously, last week, he didn't practice at all dealing with the hit pointer injury. From what I understand, he did practice yesterday. So he's progressing in the right direction. I think as long as he's able to practice this week, He'll, his usage will go back up. We'll, you'll see all three of these receivers play about the same amount. And that makes him a very safe wide receiver, mid-level wide receiver three, with some upside for me uh, this week against Arizona. Remember, it's a little bit deceiving with Arizona right now. They're going to look like a top 10 team against wide receivers, but that's not actually the case. Again, defense has taken a little bit of a hit as of late. If the Rams are able to amply protect Matthew Stafford, I think you want to play all the Rams wide receivers if you have the opportunity to do so. They all have high potential ceilings. And I think OBJ is as good of a wide receiver three as you're going to get right now anywhere else. So I do play him uh, as a wide receiver 28. Again, safe guy. Tyler Higby, he comes at my tight end 16. So he's like, he's that last guy, my cutoff for streaming tight ends. And this just goes back to the usage. He's out there all the time. He's running all the routes. He does have the potential to get a touchdown. You like his fantasy production more if, let's say, an OBJ is limited, for instance. If he's not, though, there is a very low floor, obviously, with Higby, and he hasn't been the touchdown producer. You really need him to be to take the chance, necessarily, if you have other options to be able to turn to. On the Arizona side, I mean, Kyler Murray, I don't think you can say enough about him from a fantasy standpoint from last week, right? He threw the ball 15 times. And yet, because he had two rushing touchdowns and still had two passing touchdowns, he was a tremendous fantasy football quarterback. I suspect against the Rams, they're going to throw the ball more than 15 times. That, that, that would be my expectation. So Kyler Murray comes in. He's my QB2 on the week. Obviously, you're playing him. You have high expectations for him 
DeAndre Hopkins, it was his first game back. They didn't fully utilize him. And again, they threw the ball 15 times. I can't emphasize that enough because I've been hearing all week long how people are just panicking on DeAndre Hopkins based off of his usage from last week or his overall pr- production from last week. So he had two targets in that game. They threw the ball 15 times. Nobody had more than three targets in that game. And a slew of wide receivers had two targets because Kyle Murray actually wound up spraying the ball around. You're still playing DeAndre Hopkins. I have him as a wide receiver 20. Is he a wide receiver two rather than a wide receiver one? Yes. But we knew that before he even got injured. Because Arizona has added all these extra weapons, there's just more guys to give the ball to. And Murray is spraying the ball out more. He doesn't just have eyes for DeAndre Hopkins like he did last season. He's got other weapons he can go to with. But DeAndre Hopkins is still the lead guy. He's been a touchdown performer this season. That's what's kept him mostly fantasy relevant. And against the Rams, even if Ramsey does decide to shadow him, and that's not necessarily a given because Ramsey hasn't necessarily shadowed everybody this season, but even if they do decide to shadow Hopkins, he's still the number one red zone target on this team. So you're playing him with confidence as a wide receiver two. Maybe he's not the wide receiver one you draft him to be, but he is a wide receiver two and he still belongs in your lineup. Zach Ertz is my tight end eight. So again, this kind of goes back to last week. People were trying to cool off of Zach Ertz. I don't know why. He's been one of the more consistent targets of Arizona since he's been traded to the team. I think he's ahead of AJ Green as far as actual target share goes. He's ahead of Christian Kirk. He has probably the safest floor of all the pass catchers. You're playing him as a top 10 tight end. End of story. Especially when you compare him and tight ends and the usage he's been getting. There's really no reason why you shouldn't be playing Zach Ertz in your lines. Tight end eight. Love him. So I go through all that pretty quickly because I want to get to the real question mark of the Arizona Cardinals, which is the running backs. So we still got to see if Chase Emmons is going to be active. There was an interesting little report coming out that earlier in the week, Coach Kingsbury said he expects Chase Emmons and you know the other players coming off of the injury reserve this week to be ready, or this was last week, to be ready to go by the Rams game Monday night. But this week, there was a report saying that he expects them all to be back by Detroit, which that's referring to the Week 15 matchup. So now, all of a sudden, we're not 100% sure that we're definitely going to get Chase Edmonds back this week. There's still a chance he's going to. He, he was activated uh, or designated to return, I should say. And he was practicing yesterday. So there's still a chance he will be activated for the Monday night game. But it's not the sure thing that I was anticipating it would be heading into the week. Because the one thing with Chase Edmonds' injury, right, when he had that ankle injury, it was really expected to be more of a two- to three-week thing. And because they put him on the IR when they did, he wound up being off for four weeks because they had the bye week in there too. And you got to miss three games when you go in the IR, not three weeks. So he's had ample time where we can expect that Chase Emmons is, should be at least probably 100%. So I thought there was no way he was going to miss this game, especially in a big match against the Rams. Again, he still may not, but it's not as much of a given after hearing the comments of Kingsbury uh, a couple of days ago. But he is out there practicing. I do have him ranked as if he will be activated in this game. So let's get into that part. First was the dude, James Conner, who's been a low in RB1 so far this season when Chase Evans has been out of the lineup. Well, it bumps him down to RB20. Obviously, you're playing him because you want touchdowns. And I do think that Chase Evans' first game back, even if he is close to 100%, I do think James Conner will still be the lead carrier. Now, I do have it as more of a 55-45-60-40 split as far as the carries go. Chase Evans will still get involved. They like being able to use him as a change of pace back and 
you know, before he went out with the injury, he was actually getting more carries than James Conner was. I don't know that winds up being the case his first game back. So I do have Conner slated to get a few more carries than a Chase Edmonds this week if they're both activated. Plus, he has the higher touchdown upside, obviously. So that's why he makes my RB20 list. So I think you're playing Connor no matter what. Chase Edmonds, I have as an RB32. I do expect him to one thing to come back right away and be the lead pass catching back. James Connor's been able to do it. There's no question about that. He was able to do it in Pittsburgh, but he's still just, he's not explosive like a Chase Edmonds is. He doesn't make guys miss like a Chase Edmonds does. His, his efficiency is not quite there. This offense wants to be more explosive. They can be. They're more explosive when they have a Chase Edmonds on the field. So Edmonds comes back. I do believe that he will be leading the way as far as receiving goes, but maybe not the carry. So that's why he's more of an RB3 for me this week. I like him more in full-point PPR leagues than I do in half-point PPR leagues, which for this show's purposes, I rank based on a half-point PPR to try to you know, make sure we're encompassing as many people as possible to give you an idea on where these guys' values are, even if you're in a full point or a standard league necessarily. That's kind of what halfway PPR does, why we do it that way. So Chase Sim is somebody I think you can play as a flex play. But if you need a ceiling, that's not the direction I'm going to go with Chase Evans. Chase Evans is more of a, if you need a floor, a guy you know that will be involved, especially in the passing game on a high up, up-tempo offense, in a game in which that potentially could be a shootout because this could be a shootout type of matchup. That's why I would be looking at a, a Chase Edmonds in that instance. So something to kind of keep in mind there. Uh, outside of that, that's pretty much it for the Arizona Cardinals. So let's talk about betting this game. Betting Monday night, which is going to be an interesting proposition. So the Cardinals are minus two and a half favorites. It is in Arizona. They did win the first game, I believe. So this, if the Rams win this, they'll split. The over-under is at 51.5. I'm more interested in the over at 51.5. This is another game that I have statted out going to 60. A lot of points, I believe, are going to be scored, especially since these two defenses have kind of been trending in the wrong direction and the offenses are trending up. So I, I think we're going to see a big shootout game on Monday Night Football. So I have interest in betting the over 51.5. I don't have much interest in picking a winner minus 2.5. Basically, I pick them at that point. This game can go either way as far as that is concerned. That does it for our matchup preview analysis heading into Sunday. So, guys, guess what time it is now. The mail's here. Remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do, hit us up on social media, at BillyUpMDFFShow. We'll answer every question anybody asks us because we're here to help you guys out, especially this time of the year. I mean, it's it's go time, baby. But I'll pick out a few of my favorite ones, and I'll put them on the mailbag and give you guys some shout-outs. So today, we first up, we got Foster. He's asking me, Javante Williams or Saquon Barkley? So this is a legitimate question, I actually believe, for a lot of people out there because you could have drafted both of these guys, and the way they're trending, yeah, it's a tough one to make. I know I said I probably will bring Javante Williams down a little bit in my rankings after we had the confirmation of Melvin Gordon definitively playing, which basically at this point we do. I'm going to have them rank close together, but Javante Williams has the bigger floor. So I am going to go Javante Williams in this instance. I do think it'll be close because Saquon Barkley is going to have more volume because Melvin Gordon will come in. They will go back to a 50-50 split. I mean, it's not going to be Javante Williams' backfield as much as we want it to be. But against Detroit, it stands a reason that both... Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon have a higher floor to ceiling ratio than the Saquon Barkley does because how bad the Giants offense 
has been in general. So I would lean towards Javante Williams there over Saquon Barkley if you have to play one or the other. Preferably, you played both these guys, I would think. I don't see why you wouldn't have a better option in your flex position. Williams, let's say, is your RB2. I don't really see why Barkley wouldn't at least make your flex in that situation. But if you have to choose one or the other, it would be Javante for me. Kai, he asks AJ Dillon or Tony Pollard. So this is a really interesting question when I picked it out, and it was it was earlier in the week. I usually try to get these questions in for the outline earlier and get prepared for the shows. Uh, with Tony Pollard having the foot sprain, it becomes pretty clear-cut A.J. Dillon. But uh, let's say Tony Pollard was healthy. I was still going to choose A.J. Dillon. He's going to have a bigger, more consistent usage this week and moving forward the rest than Tony Pollard does. Guys, if you haven't paid attention, I don't care how many Tony Pollard apologists or defenders are out there. I don't know how many, I don't care how many people want to dump on Zeke and hand the reins over to Tony Pollard. Believe me, I want Pollard to be more involved too. I think he's explosive. I think he's great. The Cowboys have shown us that as long as Ezekiel Elliott has a pulse, he's going to be more involved and more utilized than a Tony Pollard is. So unless Pollard hits the big play, he's very suspect when it comes to fantasy football. AJ Dillon, however, on the other hand, has now played himself into maybe a 60-40, 55-45 split the rest of the way with Aaron Jones overall in usage. He's always going to be a high-end RB3 the rest of the season. You're playing A.J. Dillon over a Tony Pollard, even if these guys were both healthy, not just this week, but the rest of the way. Franco, he asked me, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, or Cam Newton this week. I got Cam ranked the highest out of all three of these guys. He's my QB 12. A lot of people are scurred off after the five, you know, completion, 21 attempt performance, which I get. But context, it was against the Miami Dolphins, whose defense since Brian Flores has taken over play calling, has jumped up and been closer to the defense that we all knew they could be and were last year, meaning a very good defense. The first game back for Cam Newton against Washington, he had a 26 fantasy point performance. Why can't he do the same thing against Atlanta? What do you want Cam to do? It's the same thing as Taysom Hill in a lot of ways. You get his fantasy points on the ground. What he gives you through the air is just bonus. And you're in a matchup where those opportunities in the air are going to be there because he can check the ball down. He can play it safe and he can just let DJ Moore and or Robbie Anderson run after catch and rack up the production that way. Cam Newton's a top 12 quarterback this week. I have confidence in playing him as a QB one. He's got a safe floor to high ceiling. And without Christian McCaffrey, I think there's just more reason to get him more red zone carries. Why they fired Joe Brady? Matt Rule wants to run the ball more. But running the ball more for Carolina doesn't mean running the ball more with the running backs. It means running the ball more with Cam and the running backs. That's why they fired Joe Brady. So Cam Newton all the way uh, out of those three for this week. Mike, he asked Noah Fant or Zach Ertz rest of the season. So I picked this out because this is a great question as far as really getting out there because I, as far as kind of encapsulating what's going on in the fantasy world with a lot of fantasy players. Experts, we're pretty much all on the same page on this, but some fantasy players are still holding on to yesteryear. This shouldn't be a question. Noah Fant not only has to split with Corlton Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick on a low-volume, slow-paced offense, he's also splitting targets with his backup tight end, Alberto. 
Why is this a question? Zach Ertz has been a top 10 tight end almost every single week since he's joined the Arizona Cardinals. He has all the usage in the world you could possibly want out of a tight end and the scoring opportunity. Noah Fant, Zach Ertz, rest of season, it's not close. It's Zach Ertz. But I put this question out there, and, and you know, I thank Mike for asking this question so I could put this out there and talk about this on the show. Because there's so many people out there are still holding on to what Noah Fant they hoped he could be. And I say hoped he could be, because even though he had a nice little run his rookie season, it still wasn't that great. I'm not talking about a guy who was, you know, top five tight end at any point on a consistent basis. Even then, he was hit or miss in his best fantasy season. Noah Fant is not tight end relevant. Not only is his question not close, but Noah Fant shouldn't even be on your teams. I'm pretty sure I've hit this before, but I'm going to hit this again just to illustrate the point. Prepare to be flushed. By the way, that's not just drop Noah Fant in redraft leagues. That is trade him away and get him off your team in Dynasty 2. I think he's Jared Cook. Noah Fant is going down the Jared Cook career path where he might have another couple good seasons here and there because he has the athletic skill set if he winds up in the right situation, but he's a boomer bust guy no matter what. Noah Fant shouldn't be on your team. Get off of him. Get off of him while you have the chance. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Now, I'm actually going to be back live again later on today and also at an earlier time than we normally would. Uh, the MDS DFS contest and lock bets of the week with Chris Dowhauer and Chaz Velarde. We usually do that show at 9 o'clock on Friday. We're going to do it at 5 o'clock today. We're doing a little bit earlier. It's the holiday season. We got family coming in. We got to go see. So I'm definitely going to make sure we do the show. But make sure you're tuning in back in at 5 o'clock for that. Remember, we're not doing the DFS contest on DraftKings. We're doing it on SuperDraft. The link is going to be up in the description, in the comments, on social media when we go live in YouTube. And I'm also going to explain a little bit more about SuperDraft, who is our new partner with the MD's Fantasy Football Show for the foreseeable future. So we're going to talk about them and what they have to offer and why it might be more fun for the common fantasy football fan of MD Nation to want to play SuperDraft over a FanDuel, over a DraftKings, which is backed by Caesars Entertainment Sportsbook. So there's a sportsbook involved in well. So we'll talk about more of that in detail later on in that show today. So make sure you tune back for that. Download us on your favorite podcasting app, which will be available after the show. Make sure you're subscribing to us on social media at Show. Subscribe to us on YouTube and download the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store, on your Android or Fire TV devices. I'm Dan Mater. I'll see you guys again later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.